helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome to the Life Transformations Show. Today's show is titled, The Power of Unconditional Love. Research shows that unconditional love is one of the most powerful factors in healthy development for children and teens. In fact, research is now showing that it's even more powerful than self-esteem. But what do we mean by unconditional love? By, con- by unconditional love, we mean the kind of parenting that sends a strong message to children that they are loved regardless of their mistakes or failures. So when we give children this kind of message, it says to them, you are more than what you do. We love you for who you are. This kind of message is absent where parents engage in authoritarian parenting. In authoritarian parenting, parents say things like, it is my way or the highway, or where parents engage in stonewalling or contemptuous behavior. So by stonewalling, we're talking about parents who will not talk to a child for days because the child failed an exam or because the child did something that was not acceptable. What that is saying is that If you do not act the way that we want you to act, or if you do not do the things that we want you to do, we will withdraw our love from you. So, in this kind of parenting, love is very conditional. So, this feeling of unconditional love is also absent in permissive parenting. So, in permissive parenting, this is where children have no boundaries and are allowed to do whatever they want. So, in this kind of parenting, this can leave children feeling as if parents really do not care enough to discipline them and to put and 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 by so doing put them in danger physically and emotionally i had a a a case with a teen some years ago who said she didn't realize the absence of parenting in her home until she started going out with her teenage friends. And then she realized that when she would go to the houses of these teenage friends, the mothers and the fathers would say things like, make sure you're home home by such and such a time. And uh, is there a number we can contact you in case something goes wrong? She said in her home, there was no curfew and her parents didn't care who she went out with. And so it was kind of funny when she said to me, Michael, I came home and I asked my parents to give me a curfew. You see, teens may not act as if they need boundaries, but they do need boundaries to feel love. So where there is this permissive parenting where children can do whatever they want to do, the message is strong. 
we do not care enough about you to put boundaries in place. Or the relationship, the relationship that we have is so fragile that I feel if I put boundaries in place, you are not going to love me anymore. And so I'm going to try to be your best friend and just allow you to do whatever you want to do. So we have uh, an example of permissive parenting in the story of Eli and his sons in the book of 1 Samuel. And it's the first two chapters of Samuel. So the sons of Eli committed certain uh, sacrilegious acts in terms of the offering of sacrifices. And Eli heard about the acts that they committed. He talked to them about it, but he took no action to stop their behavior. And as could be expected in that kind of parenting, the boy's actions got from bad to worse. So it got so bad to the point where they started committing immoral sexual act with the woman who helped in the service of the tabernacle. And so when God intervened in that situation, it's interesting that it was not to the sons that God approached. God approached Eli and chastised Eli for his son's behavior. Eli permissive parenting led to him just allowing his son to do whatever they wanted in the tabernacle of God. And God approached Eli and asked the question, why do you honor your sons more than me? And I think if you listen to my shows often enough, if you've been a listener for some time, you will know that I have said multiple times that when God asks a question in Scripture, it's not because God doesn't know the answer. It is because God is calling us to self-examination, is calling the hearer of the question to self-examination to see what's going on inside. So people who... who uh, engage in permissive parenting if they were to ask the question, why is it that I allow myself to parent in that way? Or children, or parents who practice authoritarian parenting, why is it that I parent in, in this kind of strong iron fist way? You will begin to get answers about your past. You'll begin to get begin to get answers about yourself if you ask that thought-provoking question. In some case, we parent the way we do because that's the kind of parenting that we got as children. In some cases, we parent the way we do because we are in uh, a battle for the child's love with the other parents. Sometimes in separation or divorce cases, we are permissive because we feel that if we get the child to love us by just giving that child whatever he or she wants, then that's the way we will get love and loyalty from the child. So these kinds of parenting styles are not conducive to unconditional love. Unconditional love is authoritative parenting. So in this type of parenting, children receive discipline, but 
the love of their parents is never in doubt. So to give you an example of what authoritarian parent might look like to begin with. An authoritarian parent, a child may come home with a bad report card. And the authoritarian parents say, I am so ashamed of you. How is it that you could do so badly on this exam? Haven't I told you again and again that you, you need to study? This is terrible. Get out of here and you, your, your cell phone is gone for a month until you get your grades up. The, uh, the, the permissive parent might see that same, same report card and say nothing do not even have a conversation about it because they don't really want to discipline for whatever reason. But the authoritative parent may mix love and discipline. So in that case, the authoritative parent may hug the child and say, wow, you know, you, you did, you, I saw you studying, you did hard work. So this must be very disappointing for you to get such a bad report card. What can we do to help you get better grades for next term? And along with the child, the child and the parent may sit together and work out a way to come up with a solution. And this may involve discipline, of course. This may mean the solution may be less uh, TV time, less time playing with friends, more time devoted to study. But you see in that third example, it is done in a different way. So if we look at the the life of Jesus, we see that the relationship that Jesus had with the Father was based in unconditional love. When Jesus was about to start his ministry, we are told in Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17, that a voice was heard from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And let's think about that for a moment. Jesus had done no miracle at that time. He hadn't started healing as yet. He hadn't started preaching. He had no accomplishment. He was just the Son of God. And just because of who he is, the Father said, you are my beloved Son, and in you I am well pleased. That's an example of unconditional love. Conditional love is often based on, on performance. I will love you if you get uh, straight A's. I will love you if you don't do anything that disappoints me. And I love you even more if you score a hat trick in that soccer game. But if you miss that goal, I'm not going to talk to you in the car going home because I'm just so disappointed that you didn't practice enough to score that goal. And so Jesus did nothing. And the father said, you are my beloved son and in you I am well pleased. So today I want to talk about seven ways and seven of the benefits of unconditional love. Research in 2012 showed that when a, per, when, a when parents engage in unconditional love, children develops better memory and increase learning capacity. 
And so the studies that even looked at brain structure of these child showed that this area of their brain that is responsible for memory and learning is actually 10% larger for children who receive unconditional love than for children who receive love in a way that's conditional. So as a result, these children who receive unconditional love, they have the capability of of doing better in school and they have the ability of learning and they have the ability to excel in academics because of the kind of love. So when you love a child unconditionally, it's not just uh it's not just something that is un it, that is intangible. It's actually creating changes in the structure of the child brain that creates an ability for them to learn and to thrive in life. Research also tells us that children who receive unconditional love is less stress-prone. Stress can lead to a whole range of mental illnesses. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, there might be genes for certain kinds of mental illnesses that are hereditary, but in the absence of stress, those genes do not get activated. When there is stress and this child is under stress because they feel, if I do not perform, my parents' love will be withdrawn. When they're under that kind of stress, those genes for mental illnesses can be activated. Hereditary mental illnesses such as schizophrenia and bipolar can be activated by the level of stress that children feel from not getting unconditional love. But the research also shows that children who receive unconditional love have better physical health as well. And that's not surprising because stress and ill health is linked. You see, when a person is in stress mode, their body goes into fight or flight mode. And when your body is in fight or flight mode, what ends up happening is that resources that deals with the, the digestive system of your body, resources that in your body that deals with fighting off disease becomes compromised because your body only has a limited amount of resources in your blood. And if those resources are going to your large muscle group because you're preparing for flight all the time, then what is going to happen? Those other functions of your body is going to be depleted of the nutrients and the, and the resources that it needs. So it's no surprise that people who are stress prone, develop ulcers, they, they develop high blood pressure, they develop a certain disease because of the malfunctioning of their autoimmune systems of their body. So there's a whole host of physical ailments that develop as a result of children being stressed because they do not feel loved. So part of the research shows that parents who put too much focus on achievement and rarely shows affection, that the children are more likely to be obese than children whose parents 
often show affection. So this study involved 40,000 children. So this is a big study. 40,000 children age 6 to 11. And what they found is that these children who had authoritarian parents, they are 37% more likely to develop obesity. So that is staggering. 37% more likely to develop obesity. And it's and it should come as no shock because one of the ways that children try to comfort themselves is to stress eat. And so if you're in a household where you're stressed all the time because you feel if you do not perform, your parents are going to be angry and you're not going to be loved and you're stress eating all the time, then what will happen? Uh, obesity can be one of those uh, those results that develop from that. So emotional neglect also has negative biological implications even in adulthood. A 2013 study found that adults who experience a lack of uh, affection in childhood was more stressed and had greater disease risk even in adulthood than for children who received unconditional love. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Live Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on an interesting topic, the power of unconditional love. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-204-2914, where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. So, so far, we have looked at three of the seven points that I want to cover today. So, the first point is that children who receive unconditional love, they have better memory and increased learning capabilities. The second point is that they're less stress-prone. And the third point is that they have better physical health. But the fourth point is that children who receive unconditional love develop healthier relationships in adult life. And so if a child doesn't feel love, if they feel that they have to perform to be accepted, then they will do the same thing in adult relationship. And so when they find themselves in abusive relationships where they are not treated well, the tendency is to think, if I just change my behavior, I will get the other person to love me. So as a result, they stay in very bad relationship, trying harder and harder. And that abusive partner who withdraw their love from them if they speak up about things they don't like is is simulating the kind of relationship that they have they had with their parents and so it's familiar to them and so they do not run from those relationships they gravitate towards it 
towards those kinds of relationship and they stay in those kinds of relationship because it is very similar to the kind of relationship they had with their parents. So they stay in very bad relationship. They're also likely to be more clingy, more emotional, and more dependent on others to to feel whole and to, to feel accepted. So they're not able to regulate their emotions the way that a child who has unconditional love does. Children who receive unconditional love is able to regulate their emotions better and to to be their true self. They don't depend on others to get their identity. And so they have healthier adult relationships as a result. And the fifth point is that children who receive unconditional love are less likely as adults to become addicts. The National Library of Medicine tells us that stress is a well-known risk factor in the development of addiction and in addiction relapse vulnerability. So for these children, the drugs may actually be a way of self-medicating. They're stressed, they're unhappy with their lives because of the conditional love that they feel and their need for acceptance drives them to self-medicate away the pain. But there's also a social aspect to drugs because the, the, the friendships that they have, that drug, the group of friends that they do drug with, the need to fit in with those friends is a way of filling the void created by a lack of parental love. So they don't want to feel excluded by these friends and they're desperate for acceptance because they have not received unconditional acceptance by their parents and so they're willing to do whatever these group of drug users are doing to fit in. And so they start using out of a social need for acceptance but then they become addicts because the the drug becomes a way of silencing their pain. And the sixth point is that children who receive unconditional love are less shame-prone children than children who receive conditional love. So they are less shame-prone. You see, unconditional love sends the message that there is, Conditional love, I should say, send the message that there is something wrong with you. Whereas unconditional love says, you are lovable just the way you are. I love you regardless of your performances or regardless of your achievement. You are loved. Like the example of Jesus that I gave earlier, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. And it has nothing to do with the level of your performance or your achievement. Shame says that there is something wrong with me. And so children who are conditionally loved carry this sense of shame that they have somehow failed to get their their parents' affection or affirmation. And so they can go through life with this sense of being not good enough. And this not good enough feeling of shame that's caused by shame cause a whole host of problems later on in life. 
And so the seventh point I want to talk about today is that unconditional love makes a person more likely to see God as loving. You see, a, a child first example of an authoritative figure is that which they see in their parents. And so if a child has parents that is stern and harsh and unloving, they are going to be tempted to see God in that way. And so it's no surprise that many children who grew grew up in very strict Christian homes where they could have no fun and where they felt that their love was, the parents' love was conditional to them doing their Bible studies or, or, or praying, that a lot of these children want nothing to do with Christianity as they get older. So not only may they see God as unloving, they might not want to have anything to do with the Christian faith. But in, a, in opposition to that, children who receive unconditional love sees, is likely to see God as more loving. And God is presented in the Bible in many places as loving. So Psalm 103, for example, says that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he arbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. But many children cannot see God that way because of the harshness of their parents and the conditional love that they receive. So there you have it, the seven seven benefits of unconditional love. So the question now is, what do you do if you have not received unconditional love from your parents? Well, the good news is that research shows that the practice of self-compassion is a powerful way to reduce the negative impact of, of conditional love. So one of the things we know for unconditional love, or conditional love, I should say, is that p- parents who received conditional love as a child, if your parents loved you conditionally as a child, it becomes a generational curse and you are more likely to treat your children with that kind of conditional love, approach to love. And so the the this practice of self-compassion is a way to break that generational curse as well. And so if you have not received conditional love as a, as a child and you're parenting in a way that's conditional, or if you are a child suffering from conditional love, next week's show is going to be giving you tips on how you can heal from conditional love that you have received, how you can undo some of those damages and reap these seven benefits that we talked about here today. So so remember that we are on the air next Monday morning at 9.30, so we'll be doing that show. So there's research, as I have said before, that is showing that self-compassion is now more powerful, has been said to be more powerful than self-esteem. So we'll be talking about very practical ways, sharing very practical tips on how you can help to heal yourself using self-compassion. 
I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Life Transformation Show. And I would like to remind you that we're on the air every Monday morning at 9.30. If you're not familiar with this Christ-centered ministry, you can find out more about us at our website, elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. If you have missed the first part of this show and would like to listen to the full podcast, you can find it on our YouTube channel. So just by searching Elim Counseling Services in YouTube, you will see this this podcast and over 300 more. We also want to remind you that we are a not-for-profit organization that counts on your support to stay on the air. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Mm-hmm.